Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that you've called each one of us to this time and to this place. God, to this time that is set aside, Lord, for your word, for, for hearing from you. God, I thank you that none of us are here by accident, but we're here by divine appointment. And God, our desire is that, that we would embrace you, that we would see the beauty of who you are in greater ways. God, that we would see your great love for us, God, in deeper and deeper ways. God, that we would hear your heart calling us and leading us closer to your side. So God, I'm thankful that today is not about a product. Today is about a person. That person is you. Jesus, we lift you up now. And, and Jesus, we pray that you would help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. God, throughout this time, Lord, that any distraction that would enter our mind, uh, Lord, would be set aside and that we keep our eyes focused on you. For as we see you, we are changed. So, God, I thank you again for every individual, Lord, that is hearing your word this morning. Have your way in each one of our lives. I pray that you would speak your words through me. God, be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you guys really are a credible commercial audience. You are. Um, but I want to tell you that, uh, that this week has been a week of really significant transformation in my life in, in regards to uh, this Advent conspiracy. Uh, this is now the third week. And after these two weeks, honestly, I was really struggling. Um, I, was, I, don't know, I, I, I was trying to figure out, I, I believe in the message. I knew the message is what God has for, us, for our congregation and what God has for me. But struggling to figure out, okay, well, how does this apply to my life? How does this apply to our family? How, does this, how is this supposed to be changing the way that we do Advent and Christmas this year? And I really um, am thankful that God took his word and he took this time in preparation for me and has really brought peace. And I don't know if you, again, may be in a similar struggle, but I want to invite you to, again, listen to God and seek what he, seek what he is speaking to you concerning what he would have this season to be for you. So this ties strongly to the uh, treasure principles that we learned back at the beginning of the year. The treasure principles are posted out uh, on the wall in the lobby, and there are papers that you can take that, uh, that go over those. And honestly, it's something that's good to revisit if you've gone through it, and something that I would encourage you to pick up if you haven't. But the treasure principles focused on how we are stewards of what's entrusted to us, that what we have is not ours. It's God's, and we are, we are entrusted with these things in order for, for us to be good stewards, to be good managers of what God has entrusted to us. And as that started off this year, we're so thankful that, that it had that, that message and that truth impacted many of our lives, and we've been living in continuous obedience because of those treasured principles that were, that were presented. Now, as we're looking at um, this Advent conspiracy, what we're doing is taking some of these same principles and applying them to the Christmas season, to Advent, to preparation uh, for the celebration of the coming of Jesus to earth. So the goal is that, again, that we would put Jesus at the center, is that we would allow him to be focused, allow him to be greater than all other things, and not allow the distractions and the pull of this world to, um, to pull us away from, from again, him being, being supreme. You know, and as uh, Pastor Jeff said 
Uh, consumerism is, is really the, the predominant faith in our culture. And we get sucked into that. We get sucked into the, the, the idea that things, things, things are what really brings life. There's only one that brings life, and that's Jesus. And we need to allow him to reorient us so that we truly see him as the priority. So this word uh, conspire, Advent conspiracy, uh, it, it, sounds, uh, it sounds like it's something that's behind the scenes. But in fact, for those who are believers in Christ, it stands out front. Because the, to conspire actually means to act in harmony. To act in harmony toward a common or agreed upon end. So here's the cool thing is that God wants to conspire, us to conspire with him. For us to act in, into, in, a, in agreement and in accord with what his desires are. So this Advent conspiracy is again being drawn, allow ourselves to be drawn into agreement with God himself. So this again is, it's to act in harmony with him so that we might walk with him in every area of life, surrendering completely to him. This means allowing him to challenge and to change. Listen, this is fund- fundamental things. To challenge and to change our assumptions, traditions, and practices in every area of life, even and especially Christmas. Now, I do want to say that, you know, for, for some of us, um, the area of Christmas maybe hasn't become consumed with consumerism. Maybe you have traditions and you have practices that are beautiful. We're not saying that you should change those. Uh, for others of us, we've, we've struggled with, again, letting the priority of Christmas, Christ, truly be the priority. The goal is that we would hear individually from God and come to alignment with what he would have us to do personally and specifically. That we would hear his invitation, that we would respond to him. So the framework for Advent Conspiracy is four parts, if you would say them with me. Worship fully, spend fully, spend less, give more, and love all. So this week we're at the, at the give more portion, but I want you to understand that this is a framework, but not, it's not a formula. So sometimes I tend to look for formulas, honestly, because formulas don't take a lot of thought. You read them and you just do them. But this, again, builds a structure, it builds a framework around which, uh, again, God can use to speak specifically to our situations. So allow this to be that structure. So what we're doing for Advent, and Advent is a, is a liturgical um, celebration, that it's a, it's a time of preparation for the coming. So Advent actually means coming. So through this Advent season, it's the time prior to Christmas uh, that we're coming into, through Advent, we're preparing for the celebration of Jesus coming to earth as a baby. So we're posturing ourselves to celebrate the coming of Jesus as a child. But we're also preparing ourselves for his second coming. So we want to make sure that that these two are together, that as we're going through this Advent conspiracy, yes, we are preparing for the celebration of Jesus' birth. And we need to realize that we are also allowing God to prepare us for his second coming, which could be any time. I don't know if you've thought about this. In fact, to this moment, it kind of slipped my mind. You realize that his second coming could happen before Christmas? Yeah, how exciting. You don't have to buy the gifts. No, No, you get to be with the ultimate gift. You know, and so the Advent is preparation for his second coming. And and this, this tool, this Advent conspiracy, actually postures us to be more ready for a second coming as we draw closer to him and walk in obedience to what he's calling us to. So when you look at these two, last week, again, has been focused on spend less. It seems in contradiction to the part that I have today is to give more. 
How do you spend less and give more? I'm glad you asked. We're going to walk through this process, and you'll see that the two actually come together. In fact, they have to work together. You know, it's necessary for us to, uh, to, with God, decide how to spend less. That's to simplify, to not get caught up in, again, the money, money, money part. And, and honestly, this is something that came to, uh, to my heart probably several weeks ago as we were beginning to look at this together, uh, is that I didn't realize it, but I was equating um, money and love at Christmas. Like, the two were connected in a way that I don't think are, is, is healthy. You know, that, and I didn't realize that I was doing that, but you know, I don't know about you, but when you go down through your list and these are the people I need to buy for, it's like, how much do I need to spend so that they know that they love, that I love them? Do you ever think that? Maybe not exactly in those words, but it's like, I don't want to spend too little because then they may not think I care. You know, these are, these are lies that get into our lives and become very dangerous. But to spend less is setting aside some of those lies. It's cutting away at that idea that, that, that money equals love. So we need to set some things aside so that we're freed then to focus on things that are, that are more important. So to spend less, again, is the simplifying. It's spend less. It's not spend nothing. But then it's so that we can give more. You know, so many times we try to add things to our life without taking something away, and it doesn't work. That's how we become super overburdened and overwhelmed and frustrated when we try to add something into our lives that are already full but without taking something away. So to spend less is setting aside some of what we would normally spend so that we're freed to give more. And this give more ties into the the treasure principle that says this, giving is the only antidote to the idolatry and bondage of materialism. That as we give and we give in ways that are beyond uh, just money things, we're actually freed from this, this yoke that materialism and consumerism can have on us. So, the spend less actually leads us to give more. And to share a quote that Richard, Richard Foster said that Ben quoted last week, uh, simplicity, which we, here would be spending less, simplicity sets us free to receive the provision of God as a gift that is ours, not to keep and be free, freely. I'm sorry, let me start again. Simplicity sets us free to receive the provision of God as a gift that is not ours to keep and can be freely shared with others. So again, we need to allow God to lead us to a place where we're making margin in our lives, where we can become vessels that he can flow more freely through. So the give more is actually, and specifically, give more intentionally and relationally. Give more intentionally and relationally. So that's something that we're going to be, again, just focusing on as we go through our time this morning. And the passage that I'd like to start with is Genesis 22.2. This is God speaking to Abraham. And God said this, Take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Now, have you ever read that on a Christmas card? No, you probably never will. <laughs> okay. But this is, the, this is where we're going to be focusing on this passage in Genesis chapter two or 22, verses 1 through 18. And as we look at this, we're going to see how God, God will use this passage to unfold to us how he would desire for us to give more intentionally and relationally. Okay, So I'm going to read through the, the full passage again, uh, verses 1 through 18. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. 
And, um, and, and if, if you want to just listen and take in, follow this story closely. Because this, again, is Abraham, who is the father of faith. Uh, God has called him and has said that through him many nations, in fact, all nations of the world will be blessed. So this is a critical time in Abraham's life because his son Isaac is the son of promise. Okay, his son Isaac is the one that God gave to him through whom nations would be blessed. And this is, um, it's a challenging story, but it's a beautiful story as we see how it unfolds in Abraham's life and how we can see how it can unfold in our lives. So Genesis chapter 22, beginning with verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will, we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you obeyed me. So as we look at this story, we're going to look at how give more intentionally and relationally is used by God to bring about his blessing. And there are four points that we're going to focus on. To give more intentionally and relationally, first of all, we need to hear God speaking to us. Hear God speaking to you. Secondly, we need to respond in immediate obedience. When we hear him speak to us, we need to respond in immediate obedience. Thirdly, we need to give relationally. And fourth, we need to look for God's provision. 
Now, before we walk into this count, I, I don't know about you, but I've, I've heard the story since a child. And, and, you know, so we'll go way back to flannel graphs in Sunday school. They had the altar and I don't know if anybody else had it, but, uh, you know, it's a crazy thing as a kid, you know, to see this story played out, even in the flannel graph. But like, as I was reading through this passage, again, put yourself in this position as far as what was happening. I mean, God almighty was speaking to the father of faith and saying, go sacrifice your son as a burnt offering. And I mean, that, it doesn't sound right. It's like, why would God say such a thing? So we want to give some context to it in that, that first of all, the chapter begins saying this is that God tested Abraham, that this was a test for Abraham. Now, when God gives us a test, it's not so he can figure out what's, you know, how we're going to do. You know, when God gives us a test, it's for our benefit. So we will see what is in us. When God gives us a test, he is desiring not for us to fail the test, but to pass. And the way we pass is through obedience to what he says. So again, God was testing Abraham. The second thing is that that child sacrifice was a common thing in religions of that day. That it was that, you know, religions that believed in other gods would sacrifice their children. And unfortunately, child sacrifices still happen today in some faiths. But that was common in that day. We want you to know that, that again, that God was not endorsing child sacrifice. He was leading Abraham on a journey. He was testing Abraham. And when Abraham was called, he, he again, he was probably thinking in the context, well, other, other faiths sacrifice their children. But I want you to understand the confidence that Abraham had. He knew the character of God. He had walked with God for many years. In fact, at this point, Abraham is well over 100 years old. He's probably about 110 or 115 years old. Uh, so he had walked with God. He knew the character of God. And he trusted God. In fact, when he left the servants, do you remember what he said? He said, we're going to worship and we will be back. Okay, so he had confidence. In Hebrews chapter 11, you know, the writer says that, that, that Abraham was, was confident that God would even raise his son from the dead. Now, that is incredible faith. When God gives a word that doesn't seem to make sense, we can trust the character of God, and we can trust, again, that God is leading us in a way that, that will bring glory and honor to him and will continue to build our, build, build our faith. But the other thing that I've read is that some scholars believe this, that actually what God was doing in this whole process was demonstrating to Abraham and to those around that child sacrifice was not appropriate. God stopped it. God interrupted it. And I had never heard that perspective, but it, again, put those things together. And, and God does not go against God. God's truth does not go against God's truth. But it is difficult sometimes, again, when we look at the word, again, what was God doing when he called Abraham to do this? So again, as we walk through, hopefully these truths will sink in, in more, more deeply that God, again, was working in Abraham's life to test him. And God was working in Abraham's life to bring glory and honor to himself. So this first point is that is to hear God speaking to you. Now this is extremely very extremely personal. That God came and, and sometime it said that sometime later God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham he said to Abraham or just called him called out Abraham and this response is what I love so much. The reply was here I am. You know, in that I really hear that Abraham is positioning himself is posturing himself to respond to whatever God says. Before he knows what the words, words are, that are that are going to follow, he's saying, here I am. I'm here to do whatever you say. And you realize that whenever we sit down with the word, whenever we hear the teaching of the word of God, this posture of here I am is so critical. Is that we say, God, 
I'm before you now. I acknowledge your greatness. I, I acknowledge your sovereign rule and your reign. Here I am. Speak to me because I'm going to say yes. That's faith. And that's something that we grow in. Um, but anyhow, Abraham responded, here I am. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the, to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain. I will show you. So the thing is, is that what God spoke to him was a very specific instruction. That God, his word came, came clearly. And, you know, for Abraham to do what he, what he did, he needed to hear clearly from God. And this is something that you and I need to do. We need to hear clearly from God for us. Does it say that God gave a command to all those in the region, go sacrifice your son? It didn't say that. Specific, speaking specifically to Abraham, God was intentional and relational when he spoke this word. And this is what's so important is that so many times we can get caught up in following what God has said to somebody else, specifically. But God is speaking to us personally. Now, again, everything that God says is going to be in alignment with his word. He will not contradict himself. Again, what he says will be in alignment with his word, but it's a specific word for each one of us. So even as we go through this uh, Advent conspiracy, we need to understand that, that, that we need to be hearing. We need to be asking God, God, what is your word for me? What would you desire for me this season? And allow that word to come to you specifically and personally, because God will do that very thing. You know, if you remember, um, two weeks ago, Pastor Jeff shared about how uh, the angel of the Lord came to Mary and brought this news that was very troubling, but yet she trusted God. You know, and that news was, again, that she was going to become pregnant, but she would be bearing the Son of God. It's a specific word for her, and as she received that word, even though it was troubling at first, she trusted God. So that's a call for you and for me, is that, that again, that we would come to God and that we would ask him openly, just literally sit down, with God and say, God, what would you have me to do this Christmas season, this Advent season? So I'm preparing for Christmas. Have you had that conversation yet? I want to encourage you to start to ask God to take some time, just some quiet time with God and say, God, how can I come into partnership with your way for my Christmas? How can I come into partnership with you and what you desire to do through my family? How can I hear your word specifically so that I can walk in obedience to what you instruct me. Now, the thing is, is that whatever God tells you is going to be for your good and for his glory. You know, this is all about, again, making Jesus central, making him the focus of all that we are and all that we do. So for some of us, though, as we ask that word, we say, God, what would you have for me? He may say, you need to make some radical changes. He may say that Christmas this year needs to look completely different than what it has in the past. And by God's grace, if he calls you to that, he's going to walk you through something that will be incredibly transforming, that will be good for you and will give glory to him. For others of us, God may say, I just want you to take this one step, do this one thing different this year than what you've done in years past. You know, so again, th this is a unique word. And what we need to be careful is that we're hearing God speak, speak directly to us, to speak personally to us, to hear what he is leading us to do. And here's another important thing. Let's not compare the word I hear from God with the word you hear from God for you. You know, and, and we can fall into this track in that, you know, God speaks specifically and he's going to lead us individually. And we need to encourage one another to follow the word that God is speaking to us individually. 
So what's the next thing to do? The next thing to do then is to respond with immediate obedience. You know, this is something personally for me is that I, I tend to be an analytical person. I, I, I tend to discern and that can be a gift and it can be a trapping. Okay, because I, I, I can even look back a number of weeks ago and, and something I felt God was laying on my heart, uh, I reasoned enough that I didn't do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like I put it before God and it's like, God, I think this is from you, but it seems really strange. It was one of those personal words that I wasn't sure about. And, and I delayed and, uh, and I, never, I never did it. And I've still wondered, like, did I miss the window or is it something that I need to go back go back and follow up on. But the thing is, is that it's important for us when we hear God speak, that we continue with that posture, here I am God, and that we take the steps of immediate obedience. So what happened when Abraham heard this word, go sacrifice your son, what does it say? Early the next morning, immediate, intentional. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac, when he, I mean, the, everything is so intentional. He's so focused. It's like, I'm going to move forward with what I've heard God say to me. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Now, I mean, when you read this verse, it sounds like it's so easy. Okay. Abraham just did. But literally up at that moment, whatever else he was doing, he stopped and he started following God in accordance to the word. And when it says in three days, he saw the place up ahead of him. Man, like that's got to be hard. Like three days you're walking, thinking about, I'm going to sacrifice my son as a burnt offering. I'm going to sacrifice my son for three days. But he was intentional. He, was, he responded with, with, again, in haste in a good way. So what we need to look at this and see is that, you know, our immediate obedience is paramount. When we talk about being tested, whether or not we pass the test isn't based on the outcome. It's based on whether or not we're obeying. You know, that we're trusting God and letting that trust turn into action. So Abraham, just tell you, to tell you this, Abraham hadn't always done well in regards to timing. Okay, for those that know his history, Abraham had received a specific word for God, again, about his, him being the, the vessel through whom nations would be blessed, but he was without a son. And Abraham, although he had received the word of God, he acted and tried to, tried to fulfill that word in his own way. And out of that, Ishmael was born, a son who was born to his wife's slave, Hagar. Now, that, that can happen in, in, in us so many times that when God speaks and we try and fulfill things in our own way, that we can get things out of order. But the beautiful thing is that that didn't discount Abraham from still being the vessel that God would use. That even when we failed and we've fallen short and we tried to do things our own way, that God still reaches out and he said, no, I've given you a promise and I, I'm going to fulfill that promise through you. So that's what, that's what happened with Isaac is that Isaac came. Isaac was the son of promise. And God is desiring, you know, regardless of what your Christmases have looked like in the past, regardless of how we may have even yesterday allowed our own desires or our own thinking or our own way to push aside God's promise, God is still offering his word today and he's calling us to act, to move and immediate obedience. So giving more is not a last minute, okay, when we're talking about Christmas. Giving more is not a last minute option for Christmas. Because giving more is, is about, again, being intentional and relational, and we need to act now. I didn't count how many days there are till Christmas, but it's closing in quickly. Um, so, and, but, but the thing is that we need to act now and begin to move in the way that God would have us to go. You know, it's been said that, that love, some, some people have said that love is spelled T-I-M-E. 
That love is spelled time, that it's giving of ourselves. And we need to begin to respond now. We need to act in obedience to God now. Now, again, this is something that I've struggled with at times. I can tell you one Christmas Eve, and this was before I was married, and I was doing a lot of things for the church and everything, but it was Christmas Eve, and I hadn't done any, any Christmas shopping. None. And it was like afternoon, Christmas Eve, and I hadn't done any Christmas shopping. By God's grace, it was like a miracle. Like, I, this was before online or anything, you know. Went to store after store, and everything just fell in place. It worked out great, and I pulled it off. That's not what you do with give more this Christmas, okay? Don't fall into that. As a family, one time, it was a similar thing. It was crazy Christmas Eve. It was Christmas Eve and no tree. And we went to find a cut tree, and by God's grace, he led us to Brown's Orchard, and the owner was there that evening and sold us his la- the last tree that he had. Um, these are the times where God redeemed my lack of planning and the lack of obedience. Let's not put ourselves in that place. Let's move now. Let's begin again to, to walk in the way that God would have us to go. So that leads us to give relationally. I'm not going to read the entirety of this, of this, this next group of verses. We've already read through verses five through 11, but this relationally it's, it's giving, it's being an interaction with those that are around us. So what's happened through the story is that that Abraham is, is, in, is work, walking in relationally with his servants, with his son, and with the messenger of God. Okay, so throughout the story, we have the servants are involved. So there, you know, Abraham's explaining what's happening. When they came to, the, to, um, to uh, Mount Moriah, you know, he said, stay here, we're going to go up, and then we'll be back. Okay, so that's war- walking relationally. This conversation he has with his son, I'm just like, again, even as, every time I read it, I think, can you imagine this conversation between father and son where they're walking along, Isaac has the wood on his back for the burnt offering, and he says, father? And Abraham replies, yes, my son. Um, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham responds, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Do you hear the relational connection that, you know, Abraham doesn't have it all figured out. He's trusting God and he knows that God's going to provide. But he's walking relationally. They're not in the dark, okay? When Abraham then comes up, and we're going to see again, where he puts his son on on the altar. Now, we don't know what happened there, but where it says he bound his, his son Isaac and placed him on the altar, I can't imagine there wasn't conversation there. Really, I mean, there had to be some conversation there. But then I want you to, to understand that Abraham is still staying tuned to the voice of God because in the midst of it, he's about ready to literally slay his son. And there's a call out, and it's in verse, uh, verse 10, literally, or I'm sorry, in verse 11, the angel of the Lord called out to him, him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And his response is, here I am, walking relationally with God. So you see how this, these very principles, what we need to do as we walk through the season is, that, is to make sure that we're walking relationally. So that means like, I know it's been kind of kitted around and I don't know how many people have already chosen this, but we talked about alternate gift giving and we talked about Uncle Murray or whoever it might be, giving him a goat for Christmas, okay? Uh, so what that means is that you can purchase a goat in his name that goes, it's purchased for somebody in need in another country. And when it comes to Christmas time, he opens up his gift and there's something about a goat. Okay. Now he was expecting the sweater. Now it's a goat. Okay. I don't think that's walking relationally. Okay. So I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to judge, but I think we need to make sure that we're walking with people that are around us in a way that we're showing love in the process. 
that if we're going to make a significant change during Christmas, it's probably good to be doing that in the context of community and talk to Uncle Murray first and say, hey, it's really been on my heart to bless somebody in your name. How would you feel about that? You know, uh, with your family, if there's going to be some significant changes or even just a small change, it'd be good to walk relationally and to be in conversation and to be, uh, again, that's that's part of the, the, the joy of the journey of it all. So the thing is, is that, is that we need to be intentional as we do this, that we need to be relational as we're walking in these new ways. And we need to recognize that, that we experience love, we give love and experience love in different ways. So how many people have heard of the five love languages? Okay, quite a number have. Gary Smalley is an author who wrote this book many, many years ago, and it's still very popular in, in dealing with relationships. So five love languages, as are defined in his book, are words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. These are pretty much self-explanatory. But what he explains is that we all tend to have one or two primary love languages, which means this is the way that we experience love in the primary way and the way that we, we show love. So, uh, so again, if words of affirmation are a primary love language, it means that like when, when you say something really affirming to me, that just, I feel loved. I feel connected. You know, and often then, if that's my primary love language, um, when I speak words of affirmation, I'm showing you love because that might be a primary love language in my life. Now, if you look for scripture in the Bible that says, here are the five love languages, saith God. Okay, it's not there. Okay, I've, I've taught on this and I've studied it. I have, I've never found scripture that, again, points specifically to these, but we see these throughout scripture and we see these throughout our lives and relationships. The challenge is, is that sometimes we can be speaking different languages. Okay, so if person A, out of those five love languages, if person A has a primary love language of acts of service. That's the love language that they speak. When they're going to, when they want to show love, they're going to be doing something for you. Okay. And when somebody's doing something for them, they feel loved. Person B is this person has the primary love language of quality time. That means that like just pausing and sitting and talking with them, even if it's for a few minutes, really makes them feel loved. And they share that love in a similar way. Like they want to just stop. And, and show love. Well, the problem is, is that literally it's like different languages. So one person is speaking the language of acts of service and another person is speaking the language of quality time. And you see what happens, that there can be a total miss, that both are expressing love, both are seeking love, but yet there's a miss. And this literally has caused uh, many marriages uh, when it's been identified. It's like, wow, this has been our issue. You know, if I can understand that when you do acts of service, you're showing me love, then I start to speak that language. I start to understand that, wow, you're showing me love because you've just done that for me. And the person that is busy doing the things um, because they're trying to show, show person B that they love them, they're doing, 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 and they realize, but that person just needs some quality time. When they pause from the doing for just a minute or two, all of a sudden there's some quality time and that person feels love and feels connection, okay? So, so we have different ways of both receiving and of giving love. Now, ultimately, I really feel that, that, again, God flows freely in all of these, and he desires for us to as well. So even though we may have a primary love language or, or two primary love languages, you know, it's good for us to grow in love, right? That we would begin to see love in all of these ways, and then we begin to share love in all of these ways, that we would grow in love as God desires. But this is what's, what helps us when we're talking about, again, giving more 
intentionally and relationally is to know the people that we're getting, that we're giving to, to understand what really makes them feel loved, to understand that, that, uh, that again, that, um, that there are things that I can do specifically that are unique to, to and for them, that they will sense the love of God in and through me. Now, again, the goal is not to, to get the pat on the back at the end of the day and say, oh, man, you're a great gift giver. Remember, the focus of all this is that what we do would point people to Jesus, that what we do would express Jesus' love for one another, that what we do would be, again, lifting Jesus up because it's really it's all about him. So when you're preparing to do this, give more, I want to encourage you to take some time and get to know the people that you're giving to in a better way. It may be somebody that you've known all your life, but maybe you haven't really thought about, again, what really uh, causes this person to feel loved. So part of it is just letting people know that you know them. So quite a number of years ago, um, I received a Christmas card from somebody that was covered with glitter. And the glitter was covered with tape. Now, okay, some of you know me and where this is going, but like I had spoken um, one time here and, I, you know, and it was around Christmas and I said, you know, I hate glitter. Yeah, I hate glitter. It's not a thing for the season. It's a thing for eternity because it never leaves. Okay, so, so this, you know, and, and it's not that I don't like the look. It's just that I don't like the, that it stays, okay? If, if it would visit and leave, no problem. But when this person gave me that, they, they did two things. They showed that they knew me because they knew that, <laughs> that glitter was an issue in my life. And they covered it all and encapsulated it so it wasn't an issue. So, I mean, honestly, that simple card was an incredible gift of love because it said, I know you and I care about you. So if you guys really care about me, do not send me a car with glitter. Okay. Um, but what's at the heart of all this again, is that, that we communicate in our giving in ways that truly show that we love and God may prompt us. He may speak specifically to us. You know, in fact, I think he wants to, so that we will give gifts of time and of and and and, and things that that again will communicate specifically to those we care about that God loves them and here's the way that a way that He's showing His love to them. So there are at least four ways that God has given, and He continues to give that that can help us as we seek to give more. So when we look at the gift of Jesus, the gift of Jesus is given in presence. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus coming to us. So as we give gifts that are intentional and relational, think about how you can give presence. And this is presence. It, yeah, you understand. The way it is on the screen. I know it's presence and presence can get confused, which is beautiful, right? Because presence can be a present. In fact, presence can be an incredible present. That maybe it's a visit. Maybe it's a phone call. Um, you know, there's, there's things that we can do just to be with people that will be the best gift that we could possibly give. The second thing is that Jesus' gift was personal. We've talked about that, that, that Jesus gave himself for us specifically. He called us by name. He gave his life for us so we can follow God's example in Christ and be personal. Costly. Now, costly doesn't necessarily mean money. Costly can be in a lot of other ways. A lot of times, some of the greatest sacrifices don't cost us money, but it costs us a lot more. And that it, it, can, it can, again, cost our time. It can cost our convenience. But allow God's gift of the most costly gift when Jesus gave himself to be an example of how we can give gifts that are costly. And fourth, it's connecting. 
that Jesus gave himself and built the bridge. He filled the gap between God and man. He became that, that, that bridge. And, you know, God, can, God desires to speak to us and lead us in ways that we can give gifts that help, help bring connection, help fill a gap. And again, in the season, I know it's, it can't always be in-person presence. I mean, our holidays have already changed, I know, for Thanksgiving and probably for Christmas. But there are still ways that we can fill gaps in how we can reach out to people and how we can connect with them. And God will lead us and show us ways to do that. And lastly, as we look at the story, we need to look for God's provision. Is that God shows up in incredibly beautiful ways. In fact, Again, when, when Abraham was about to sacrifice his son, we just, in, in verse 11, we just heard that, that, that the, the angel of the Lord, the messenger of God, called out Abraham, Abraham. Abraham responded, here I am. And God intervened. God said, don't lay a hand on the boy. And then Abraham looked over and there was uh, caught in the thicket a ram caught by his horns. And God provided that sacrifice so that, that Isaac was spared. We need to be looking for God's provision. Well, how does that apply to us? Well, as we're looking for God's provision, first of all, we need to be looking for Jesus. You know, and I'm surprised at myself how I know this to be true, but yet I can so easily forget that I need to be constantly looking for Jesus, constantly seeing Jesus in the midst, constantly desiring for him to be seen. But how do we look for God's provision? We need to be looking for Jesus. We need to be looking for Jesus, how Jesus is revealing himself, how, is he, how he is uh, lifting himself up, how he is helping himself to be seen above and over all. Now, Jesus is the one that was given as a sacrifice for all mankind, that Jesus became that substitution. We need to be looking for him. In fact, what's amazing is that there's some archaeologists that believe that um, Mount Moriah, right where Isaac was going to be sacrificed on the altar, is actually the location of where the crucifixion happened. And the word of God said that on the Mount of the Lord, it will be provided in Genesis 22. It's very possible that it was that same spot where Jesus, the Lamb of God, was slain for the sin of the sins of the world. But how can God, again, be that provision for us? How can we look for him to be our provider? First of all, look for his presence. Look for his peace. As you're desiring, you're seeking God, saying, God, what would you have me to do this Advent season? What would you have me to give? How can I give more intentionally and relationally? Allow his presence to give you a peace and to lead you in the way that you should go. You know, I found that and continue to find that, that as I follow his peace, I find the fulfillment of what he's calling me to. We can find his provision in that the gift may become something far beyond what you expected. Just begin to walk with him, walk in obedience, and see what God unfolds. He often leads us to a place that then opens the door to what he has that is is much greater. Let me tell you this too, that the extra time that you're spending with God praying about giving more, that in and of itself is going to be a gift to both you and to God. Ultimately, God's provision is in calling you to be a living sacrifice alongside of him. Remember, conspiracy is talking about coming into alignment, coming into agreement. And as we're walking through this Advent conspiracy, would we see God's provision in that he is calling us to be that living sacrifice, that one who gives gives themselves for God's glory. God has incredible plans for you this, this Advent season. He has incredible plans for you this Christmas season. 
But it's only going to happen as we come into alignment with his heart, with his desire, as we follow his example of giving himself for others. So I don't know about you, but um, I'm getting excited about what God's going to do in these next weeks. A week or so ago, I was wondering, because I was feeling a heaviness, because I didn't know. What God's led me to this week is the beauty and the joy of coming to him and just saying, God, show me what you would have for me this season. Let me just hear your voice to me. Let me hear you speak and say, this is how I would lead you to give more. This is how I I can use you as a vessel to help magnify the son of God this season. You know, the greatest thing that could happen is that we would, you know, go through this Advent season. We would go through Christmas day. And at the end of the, the day that we would lay our heads on our pillows and say, Jesus was seen. In, the, in all of my celebration of Christmas this year. It's the most beautiful thing that could possibly happen is that God would be glorified, that he would be central in all that we do and that people would see the love of God through us and that they would receive the love of God through this Christmas season. Let's not wait for December 25th. It starts today. It starts right now of stepping in obedience and saying, God, at the end of this day, I want to make sure that you've been seen in my life today. I want to make sure that I've heard your voice, that I've followed in what you've want me, wanted me to do, that I'm walking in relationship with you and with those around me, and that I'm allowing your provision to point to you. Can we make that our goal? That we, we do it today. And we do it the next day. And we do it the next day through Advent, through Christmas, and then continue on as the season brings a shift in our lives where we give more intentionally and relationally, where we worship fully in all that we do. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for your infinite love for us. You spared not your own son, but gave your son that we could have life eternal. Thank you that you are here. Thank you that you're reaching out to us, that you're calling us to more fully receive your gifts that we can, we can more fully give. So God, lead us, Lord, not just this Advent season, but today. God, lead us today to give more intentionally and relationally. God, to be determined to let you speak to us and through us. God, that we would, again, be sacrificing ourselves, giving ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to you. God, this is our worship. This is our worship to you. Thank you, God, that you are good. We love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand as we worship once again in song. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.